Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. All week long in preparation and morning devotion for this message, I kept hearing that chorus over and over and over again in my in my mind. I did not ask Brother Bauer to make that one of the choruses for today. Stepped up and looked at the list this morning and I saw that song and I said, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you to know I feel an anointing this morning. I walked in for morning prayer this morning. This room was full of the power of the Holy Ghost. The anointing was here. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Praise the Lord. I am not worthy of it. I did nothing to earn it, but God does share the mantle with us and the anointing with us, and I'm so very thankful for it this morning. If you could turn with me to John chapter 10, starting at verse 2, excuse me, verse 1, John chapter 10 and verse 1. I'm going to get right to my message. The word says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Folks, if we have a shepherd or a leader or a guide or a boss or a manager or a family member or somebody who is not coming in through the door of the sheepfold, He's a thief and a robber. In other words, if he is directing your life, or she, if they are directing you in a way that is contrary to the way God has called you to walk for him, contrary to the word of God, the word says that he's a thief and a robber. We have one shepherd. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. If you don't know that the Lord knows every single one of you, every hair on your head, every name, you have not yet gotten to know the Lord that I know. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will, not, will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Let that sink in for just a moment. You can be seated with me this morning. You see, the way this worked, and I'm going to get into a little bit of that part of the message momentarily, but the way this worked is when the shepherds would bring their sheep into the cities, they'd have to kind of crowd them all into these, these pens, and they would intermingle together. There were, there were many shepherds and many sheep and many flocks, and so they would intermingle together in the pens outside the city, and the shepherd would go, and he would do his thing, and he would rest and trade and do the things that he needed to do according to the master's rule. During the course of the night then, because the sheep don't travel around and go into the pastures at night, can I get an amen? They knew where to be. The sheep were in the pens, protected and safe. And so they would intermingle through the course of the night with other sheep from other pastures. All right? And so the shepherd would come out in the morning and prepare to take the flock out, back out to the fields, the direction he had to go. And so he would begin to call for them by name. 
I'm sure they had great names for sheep back in Bible days, Melvin and Bob and Dave, Irving and Elmer and Mary and Harriet. And he would call them by name, and because they knew his name specifically, they would come from out from among the intermingling of the other sheep and the other, of the other flocks and come out of the pens and follow the shepherd to the next pasture that the shepherd was taking them. We're in a world today, folks, where we have to be intermingled in the pastures and the pens of other flocks and other sheep and other shepherds. But we don't have to hear those voices. The Bible says that they're to be strangers to us. We don't know those voices. We need to follow the voice and know the voice of the shepherd this morning. And can I say, Pastor Kylie, the voice of the shepherd who God gave us as a shepherd. And so this morning I want to talk to you about I hear voices. God has given me this message He's anointed me this morning. I had a powerful time of prayer this morning. I have notes. Good Lord knows if I'll even get close to where they are. Man-made notes. When I came up as a young man in the church, I've been in the church for almost 36 years. We came into the church in 1982. I know, that was crazy, right? A long time. 36 years, and I've heard a lot of preachers and a lot of preaching and a lot of great messages I've seen the power of the anointing. I've, I've felt the effectiveness of pre- the presence of God. And I've been taught by great men and women to understand the voice of the shepherd. But as I was a young man growing up, I used to, uh, I, I've always kind of had a kick for voices, sounds, and people's voices, accents. I don't know why. They used to call me a mocker. I really wasn't. As a matter of fact, philosophy says emulation is the highest form of compliment. But, it just used to amuse me sometimes because I always felt like growing up when I first came into the church growing up, unless you had an accent like Brother East, you really weren't a cool preacher. You really didn't have that full anointing, right? No offense, Brother Kylie. I don't have it either. But if you were you know, talking like this and saying Jesus and having extra syllables in your name and so forth, and the Bible says this is the way you got to live and you know, all that kind of, you know, that hellfire and brimstone some of those southern guys used to bring. I grew up under Brother Rogers, who's from Louisiana, so there you go. And, uh, uh, but I just always used to, it used to amuse me how the voice was so impacting of the person preaching. If you've ever heard uh, Brother Kylie and Sister Kylie, my wife, and I just crack up laughing, there's a video out there, this young man in Pentecost down, from, down south does all those, Sister Kylie's laughing right now, he does all these tremendous voices of different, different characters. Some of you have seen this video and I try to do some of them because it's just a habit. I just, I love voices and it just cracks me up. So when I hear impressionists and people like, uh, 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 I'm trying to think of one now, Rich Little. Anybody remember Rich Little? He used to do voices all the time. And uh, the guy that does John Madden, what's his name? Frank Caliendo. And, uh, and so that always fascinated me. So I would find myself just kind of mimicking those things. And, and so... This guy would do a, he does a great Lee Stone King, which I can't do and I can't give good service to, but, but he's talking about, he, he gets up there and, and they say, Lee Stone King's here, and he hands a microphone to the guy and he goes, praise the Lord everyone. I've come to you today, and he goes on to this whole thing, and he says, I saw Nigel in the boat next to me, and he was laughing and praising God, and he goes through that whole thing, he's very good at it. But that fascinates me. I love the voices, the voices of these great men of God. I've got to see Brother Urshan and Sister Urshan when I was growing up. If you don't know them, 
And Sister Urshan used to sing a song called Daystar, and it, I loved it. She was phenomenal, amazing on the, on the piano and the keyboard. But she'd sit at the keyboard, and she'd rock back and forth, and she'd say, I just rose to tell you, you know, and we'd sit back. And people, th- people thought I was making fun of her, and I said, no, I, I just admire her. I love, I love Brother Urshan. Um, I said to somebody one time, I was, I was fooling around. Anybody see the movie uh, Indiana Jones and the, the Temple of, no, what was it? The one with, with Sean Connery, right? Anybody know Sean Connery, James Bond? This is so carnal. God, please forgive me. So carnal. So carnal. But uh, I, there's a line in there when he, he goes out and, and, and uh, they're being attacked by a guy in an airplane shooting at him and he grabs his umbrella. Remember that scene? And he makes the birds. And Indiana Jones says, Dad, what are you doing? Are you a fool? He says, well, I shuddly remembered my Charlemagne. <laughs> Let the trees and the rocks and the birds of the sky become my armies. Right? And I heard that and I was like, that is so cool. I have to do that. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even close giving it to justice. But I used to think things like that when I was coming up. What if, what if he was a preacher? What if, what if Sean Connery was an was a apostolic preacher? Are you ready for this now? Okay. There's a lightning coming down soon, I bet. <laughs> Turn to Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none of the name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be shaved. Right? He always did the sound for his asses. And I went through, you know, all kinds of things like that, and Scottish voices and, you know, all those types of things. I just love the sound of the voice. And, and so I would practice that, and uh, Brother Matson's not here this morning, but as my Sunday school teacher, I used to drive him crazy, and he used to call me a mocker and uh, have some fun with that. But... It got to me to thinking as God just gave me this message, the power of the voice and, and how import, impactful that is. I hear the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. This song that came up that I was thinking about all week long, I hear the voice of many angels sing. One night in church, I was, I was worship leader many years ago. Again, crazy, crazy thought. And we were singing that, uh, that song, um, I forget the... Who's the guy that does all the fancy uh, worship music that we do all the time? Tomlin, right? And so we were singing the chorus to his song about the angels. And I, and I had stepped back, and I, we were just in the, in the audience. The crowd was just worshiping and praising. And it was like a little window from heaven and opened up here. And I heard the most pure, beautiful voices singing along in that chorus. Just amazing, amazing sound. Voice is so impactful and so powerful. Did you ever notice that for, for your, your cats and your dogs, somebody, somebody, your dog barks at somebody and they go, wow, he's got an odd voice. No, they don't do that, right? Your cat's voice is odd. No, they say it's meow or it's loud bark, right, for a dog. You know, animals don't have voices. Something, something so powerfully indicative to human beings and vocal communication, Right? So you don't call it voice, but it's, it's part of communication, the words and the way that we interact with one another, the way that God act, interacts with us. is powerful. We own that. And so as I, was, as I was praying and I was thinking about this, the power of voices and, and, and how impactful it is on us, I started to realize we deal with this every single day. We're surrounded with it. We're, do you understand that all day long, every day, most of you, if you're like me, and I think I'm fairly normal, ish and the voices are constantly in your head in some way shape or another can anybody relate to this am i way off base 
All day, every day, voices talking to you, voices speaking to you, voices thinking, talking to you, the voices. And what happens is, is that we get so drowned out, so impacted by voices, and, and so much of it is negative. And I realize that it's the enemy attacking. It's the enemy. You know that the devil cannot cause you, or, or he cannot read your mind. He cannot understand what you're thinking or know, but he can plant those things. He can do that voice. As a matter of fact, he's a great mimic. He can mimic your own personal voice. See, you have, there's God's voice, there's your voice, and there's the voice of the enemy. So everything that happens to us, everything we think, doesn't either come from up or down. There's us. God gave us a mind and decisions and thinking and thought and so forth. And, and, and so we can think those things, but we're so surrounded by voices all the time. Can you relate? And sometimes it torments us because we just start thinking too much and all of those voices and all of those things that are happening. And I began to realize that this is really, the Bible tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. Our weapons, we don't fight with axes and guns and knives and things in the spiritual world. Where is the spiritual battleground? The spiritual battleground is here in your mind where you take in the voices, where you hear the voices. You see, so the enemy understands that we're creatures of reason, we're creatures of emotion and feeling and thought and all of those things. So what does he do? He doesn't attack us with weapons of carnality either. He attacks us through voices, through the spiritual. So my thought process was this. I need to get really, really good, number one, at hearing the master's voice, the shepherd's voice. And I need to get really, really good in understanding which one is God and which one is the enemy. See, the enemy can copy, can mimic. First Kings chapter 9 tells us that God speaks to us in a still, small voice. God will never yell at you. He will never scream in your ear. He'll never fight with you. He'll never argue. God doesn't say things that create fear in you. He doesn't create worry by the things he says. He does not condemn you. Romans chapter 8 tells us that. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who walk in Christ Jesus. So the enemy can mimic that and copy that still small voice. The Bible says he can appear as an angel of light. But we have to be distinct. So what is it about those sheep in that, in that pen that knows that when the shepherd comes out in the morning and he, wants, and he wants the sheep to come with him, what is it about those dumb sheep? They're dumb. It's like the dumbest animal in the world, right? That's kind of why he calls us sheep. But what is it about those sheep that hears that voice of the shepherd? How? How does that happen? I'll tell you how. Because those sheep have heard the voice of the shepherd every single day, all day, every day of their entire lives. They've been tuned into the voice of the man who's been given the charge of their safety and of their feeding and their watering and their safety and their shelter. Are you hearing me this morning? They've listened every single day to the voice of one man who's in charge of their very lives. Church, can I tell you this morning, that the great shepherd and the shepherd that God has given you is the voice that has been given to you to cover and protect your very life. This is the message that God has for us today. I just love, you've heard me before, I love to stomp on the devil. I love to rip open in hell and just expose the weapons of the enemy. 
And I'm telling you, this is probably the greatest one of all. And we're victims of it every single day. And I'm preaching to myself this morning. You have to understand. I'm preaching to myself this morning. Because when you're alone and you're challenged and life's, life's problems and issues come up, boy, those wheels just start turning and those thoughts just start coming. We start to get negative and we start talking to ourselves. I'm a failure. God doesn't want me. I sinned. I made a mistake. I'm never going to be good enough. Look at the pastor. Man, that guy prays and walks every day. Look how spiritual he is. He's perfect. He never does anything wrong. He's, he, I can never be like that. So, and you start self-talking that way and self-speaking to yourself and you begin to believe those lies because the enemy is sitting there whispering, you're no good. You're not capable. This is weird. This whole tongue-talking worship thing that's going on here come on you really mean to tell me there's some god up there in the universe staring down at us like some gerbil in a cage on a wheel right come on now tell me if you haven't had thoughts similar to that the enemy challenges your very belief in the existence of 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 god well of course he would you see what i'm saying it's the voices all the time and so not only do we have to begin to understand in a greater level especially today now think about think about the people of the bible at the time of the bible there was no internet there was no television no radio no media no i mean massive amounts of people like we have today there weren't bosses staying sitting there saying you need to stay 12 hours a day or you hate your family and you better stay here and sacrifice everything else because it's about the future of your family i heard that when i was a young man i was told Shame on you if you don't sacrifice everything to make sure that you do this job and make good money for the future of your family. They didn't have all that stuff. All they heard walking in the wilderness was, bah, bah. But see, it's a different world we live in. We're bombarded by this stuff. Turn on your radio in the morning. Turn on your television at night. Turn on, talk to relatives and family members and people who don't know God. Blah, 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 blah. This problem, that problem, Trump is the most... Blah, blah, blah. And it's just constantly the voices, the voices, the voices bombarding us. And we never find a place of peace. And we never take the time to step out of that mess and just get to a place of silence. And so we miss the still small voice. People, I've had people sit in my office. Brother Cordell, I just don't hear from God anymore. I don't understand. First question, do you read his word? How's your Bible reading? Well, I, I could probably do more. There you go. First and foremost, Get a hold of the word of God. It's not a task. We're not just doing this as a, as a membership thing to get points. We're not here for the purpose of just pleasing God because I read four pages today and chunk, there's my, my stamp for today. I got a gold star because I got my, it's not what we're about. I'm telling you, the pastor, the shepherd of the flock is telling you, you got to crack that thing open, step up to the feeding pen and open it up and begin to consume the word of God because your very sustenance, your very existence, your very salvation is at hand by reading and absorbing and eating that word of God. You've got to hear him when he preaches. We don't show up here at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning because this is a great social club, although it really is because I, I love you guys. Really, you're very social and wonderful to be with, but that's not why we're here. Hopefully, God is using me as his vessel right now for somebody who's struggled and been in torment over the voices that they fight and they hear.
I've been at that place several times been at that place where the voices are just there all the time tormenting and I begin to speak out that negativity and and talk about that negativity and try to self-soothe by agreeing with it you ever do that I'm terrible I'm awful I'm a failure I'm never going to make it and 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 we try to self-soothe with that and it just makes it worse but that's what the enemy wants here's the deal The enemy's a fool. The devil comes up with nothing new. He's not an inventor. He's not even creative. It's the same story all the time. Same tactics all the time. You know how stupid the devil is? He's impatient. And so when something happens in your life, he just can't wait to push his way up through the crowd and get up to the front of the line. I want to get there first. I want to get in their ear first, and I want to get my piece in. Stupid. If he had a remote element of patience in his tactics, in his, in, his, in his ways, he'd be really, really scary. But he's not. He's not scary. He's not effective. He's not powerful. He's stupid. Because he can't patiently wait for his opportunity. He's the first one in line every time. The first thing that you feel. Something happens in your life that's reactionary. Something you didn't expect. The first thing he does is get right to the flesh. Boom! And you react. Folks, I'm telling you, put this weapon in your case. Sheath it in your, in, in, your, in your belt. Put this weapon in your place. The first thing that you feel when something happens in your life that is not expected, something painful, something ex- that, that scares you, something that puts you off your game, the first thing is the enemy. Do you understand what I'm saying? The first reaction you feel, stop. Don't react. Don't move forward. Don't say those words that he put to your mouth. The thought that he put in your head. Oh, he's hating this right now. Oh, Cordell, stop doing it. I hate you. I love that. I hope the devil hates me so bad he just seethes and burns. The first thing you feel almost every single time without fail is the flesh, the thing that the devil operates in. So when those things happen, doctor calls, I needed you to come in. Uh, We saw something on your test. Oh, man, the devil comes. If he's a million miles away, he's right there. Angela, the doctor just called, and he said he wants to see you about those tests. So guess what? You're going to die. You're dying. That's it. You're done. You know why? Because you sinned last week. Remember that? Remember when you got mad at that lady at work? Oh, man, God's cursing you. You're going to die. You cannot ever, you're just, oh, man, you're done. So what do we do? Fear strikes. It jumps in, right? Anybody ever have that? Am I alone in all this? Everybody's looking at me like, wow, he's really got a problem. <laughs> I'm glad somebody said yes. And so he's the first one in line. So that's when we got to get armored up. We got to be ready to go because that morning, Angela got up and prayed. She has her morning devotion time. She has some Bible reading time. And so when the devil jumped out of that phone call from the doctor and said, you're going to die, Angela said, no, I ain't. Jesus Christ determines when I die or when I live. Take that, devil. You feel that fear creeping up on you. You got something coming into your ear. Something is bothering you. The devil is tormenting you with something and you're thinking it's, oh God, I, I know it. I messed up and I, I, deserve, I know you're cursing me, God, but I deserve it because I messed up so bad. You jump up and you say, devil, 
Get thee behind me in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, that's a lie. Folks, I'm telling you, I've been driving to work in the morning and that kind of stuff's going on. Something happened. I'm thinking about the day and I've, I've sat there in the car driving and just said, Jesus' name, you're a liar. Devil, you're a liar. Do we do that? You got to start to learn to do it. You got to start to learn to do it. The Bible says that the enemy is the He's the prince and power of the air. And I've talked about that before. Do you understand what that means? Sound. The prince and power of sound. He's been given some power. He has some ability on earth. The Bible says he goes about like a roaring lion. You ever see the MGM logo? That guy yelling at you on the radio talking about all this terrible stuff. The world's coming apart. Anybody watch the thing with the, with the, the, the uh, volcano going on in Hawaii? And you listen to the radio and you're just picturing people fleeing for their lives like Godzilla's coming and deadly smoke is covering the island and volcanic ash and lava's going down the streets. Do you know that if you looked at a map of, of, of that island, it's about this big on the map, there's a speck down in the southeast corner where all that stuff was going on. But see, that's the enemy. Because unfortunately, the enemy got a really, really big gift. He didn't get it from God, I'll tell you that. Maybe he created it, maybe he figured it out. But he got a really, really powerful gift. And it's called a magnifying glass. And a megaphone. And so every tiny little thing, he's got this ability in our minds, the battlefield of our brains, he's got this ability to stick anything that's going on, anything that's happening under that magnifying glass and blow it up a thousand times over. Okay, then when you get alone and all by yourself and you're worried about that call from the doctor, then he starts adding on. And he, you know, the more you pull the magnifying glass back, the bigger the thing gets, right? Isn't that how that works? Or I have it backwards. One way or another, he's moving it with his voice, talking in your mind, pulling that magnifying glass, and it's getting bigger. Oh, man, that mole is definitely melanoma. Oh, I probably have them everywhere. Oh, my goodness, it's going to be cancer. Oh, I'm dead tomorrow. Right? He magnifies and magnifies and magnifies. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come on. Anybody on this? (laughs) Devil, you're a liar. You're a liar because God is in control. A couple weeks ago, I was called to come and pray with the music ministry. Thank you, Sister Matson, Sister Angela. Asked me to come and pray with the VBS crew before they kicked off VBS. And uh, we all gathered up over here, and I just came in. I was just going to do my normal thing. I want to pray and have a great time. And we began to pray and worship. This was not from me. This is from your music ministry and your VBS ministry over here, powerfully praying. And so we began to pray. I felt an authority. I felt a strength. Why? Because we were all together. And I was hearing voices, voices of powerful praying people who had faith and belief that God was going to do awesome things. I heard testimony from people saying, I know God's going to do great things in VBS this week. I know God's going to do great things. That's another weapon you can put in your belt. Tell the enemy, I know God's going to going to do great things. Praise the Lord. We stood there and we began to pray. I just one person in the group. I was one person in the group just praying, but man got a hold of us and there was an authority in that group. There was a power in that group. You couldn't shot a cannonball into that group and affected anybody. We were on fire with the Lord. 
And suddenly God spoke to me. Now again, voices. I've been trained over time by a great pastor mentor, my brother, my best friend, to listen for that still small voice. I'm not worthy of it. I didn't do anything to earn it. I don't know why God chooses me. I don't know why I'm a vessel for it. Some of you are too. I've heard it. I've heard testimony of where God's used you that way. But God spoke to me and said, somebody in this group this morning has been dealing with something that God has put a call in their life. I had no idea. I had no idea. I could have looked like a fool. But I've known and I've learned to be a voice. You see, to use my voice to create that faith and to affect others, and to build others. And so as we stood here praying, I uttered those words. I had no idea, no concept. And suddenly here come rolling out Sister Tina Lead. And she began to testify and cry about how the enemy has been tormenting her. I'm sorry, Tina, if I'm embarrassing you, but you are a warrior for God. You are on fire, and you are anointed by God. She sat there and said, the enemy has been tormenting me, been telling me that I'm no good, that nobody likes me, and all these horrible things. You know why? Do you know why that was happening to you, Tina, at that time? Because God knew that you were about to break out. He knew that you were on the verge of the next step in your walk with him. And he wanted to destroy you. He wanted to take down your emotions. He wanted to tell you that you're no good. He wanted to tell you because you're in a wheelchair, you're not effective. Well, I'm here to tell you the devil's a liar. Praise the Lord. She stepped out here. And we began to pray. And God moved upon me to go over and anoint her. And I'm telling you, God has a call on her life. And she went into that VBS ministry. I watched her pray and do awesome things. God just raised up a warrior in your midst, right there. And she knows it. That young lady's not gonna back down. She's not gonna step aside. She's not gonna miss a ton of services. She's not gonna fail to tithe. She's not gonna fail to be an active member of God's army because of what happened to her, because of the voice. The voice. See, because what we were able to do is turn the trick on the devil. Take his voice and the things that he was saying and turn them around on him. Thank you, devil, because you just caused us to realize there's a warrior in our midst. And you know what? As one of the pastor team here, I'm going to armor her. I'm going to give her everything I can, every weapon, every shield, every piece of knowledge that I have. I'm going to fill in her like pastor's done for me and for Michael and for the other members of this church and leadership. And I'm going to turn that on her and the devil's never going to take her down. And she's going to see people saved. She's going to pray people through to the Holy Ghost. We raised up a warrior today because we turned the voice on the devil. Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to be winding down here just, just a little bit. The Bible says that the enemy is the prince and power of the air, as I said a moment, a moment ago. He speaks in a still voice, sometimes just like God. He speaks in your voice. He can mimic your voice, just like I did a terrible Sean Connery. The devil can do a better Sean Connery than Sean Connery, I think. Better than me, for sure. Could you imagine him if Sean Connery is a Christian? Apostolic, say, Sean, you stink as an actor. 
You're just going to be broke. You're never going to work again. Oh, by the way, you're old as dirt. But here's what I want to say to you. I want to put another weapon in your belt. If the devil is the prince and power of the air, anybody want to argue with me that he's controlling the TV waves? Anybody want to fight with me that he runs Hollywood? Anybody want to go toe-to-toe with me on an argument about how he runs the radio waves? Well, there's one way to fight that. Shut him off. Shut him off. Because last time I checked, God wasn't talking through JZG and CDB and all those other guys. And, and uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll say a name and it'll be real old and everybody will laugh at me. Aretha Franklin just passed away. Beautiful voice, neat songs. Her songs didn't make me want to worship the devil. And there were some positive things in there. That's okay. But I don't think she was led by God. So you have to decide for yourself. But we're people of slippery slopes. And we allow a little bit of this and see the devil's little voice comes in and says, well, that's okay. Why not try this? Well, that's all right. Why not try this? And on and on and on. So we have to be disciplined to know how to shut off the voice of the devil and listen for the still small voice. Because if you're missing a lot of church because your voice said, well, it's, not the, it's just Wednesday night. It's not important. I can read my Bible. Or I don't need to be involved in anything in church. If I just come and I hear the word and I can stamp my, my gold star that I was there today. If that's the voice that you're listening to, that's not a voice of God. That's not scripture. Forsake not assembling yourselves. Be a part of the body. If you're a part of the body and you sever yourself from the body, severed limbs die. It's disgusting. It's gross. It, it, you cut your finger off and leave it aside for a while. It doesn't stay fresh and clean and good smelling. It just dies. So if your voice, if your reasoning, if your combined voice, your partner, the prince in power of the air, has told you that that's okay, you need to check that against the word of God. But if the, voice, if the enemy is the prince in power of the air and he's screaming at you, and I can tell you, I, I shared a story with Brother Kylie. I was dealing with something just before Easter service. I was preached here for Easter service. What a great honor to take probably the greatest service day of all. Brother Kylie, let me do that and share a message with you. And uh, I was dealing something with the devil. And do you know that my entire path, all the way up to the point where I got on the pulpit, the devil was literally screaming in my ear. Screaming in my ear. Deafening. You're never going to be anointed again. You've taken all these different paths. You're confused about things. You're not doing things right. You're never going to be anointed. You're never going to be anointed. You're failing. I was hearing that all the way up to the pulpit. And all I said to God was, God, I'm just going to do this the best I possibly can. And the rest is up to you. And I shut him out. But you know what I did? Here's the, here's the, here's the, the weapon for your belt. If the devil is screaming at you, if he's talking to you, if it's loud in your ear, then you got to get louder. You got to start to use your voice. You got to be willing to stand up and say, I am not going to listen to you, enemy. I do not believe what you're saying in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, if he's loud, you be louder. If he's screaming, you scream louder. 
He wants you to come in here and sit down and don't do anything. Don't say anything. Don't praise. Don't raise your hands and worship. If you're doing that, he's going, ha, ha, ha. See, see, you guys, you are not really into this. You don't even understand me. You don't even know how to defeat me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just stay there and let his voice do his work on you. But I'll tell you what, when I come to church, I want to hear the voice of many angels sing, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb. I hear the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. That's the voices I want to hear. I want to shut him out, shut him down, turn him off. That's the only power he has over you. Do you understand? Devil, I'm going to tell him right now. He cannot make you do anything you don't want to do. He cannot force your will. He cannot physically affect you. Do you understand? You have the power. You have the ability to beat him right now. And I'm going to give you the opportunity at this altar this morning. And I hope you take me up on it. Matthew chapter 10. Parable of the versions. Excuse me, Matthew chapter 25. I apologize. Please hear my voice what I'm about to tell you. I have turned this over to God. I have asked him to lead me in what I'm about to say. I have prayed it out every way I know how. Please listen to what I'm about to say. God has given me a voice and I want you to hear it. If the devil's talking to you right now, shut him out. Starting at verse 1, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins. Folks, when the Bible says, when, when Jesus spoke in terms of the kingdom of heaven is likened unto, put your radar up, turn off the radio, and listen to what he's about to say, because this is the formula. I want to make it to heaven. You want to make it to heaven. We want to be saved, and we want to be able to teach this to other people to help them to be saved. When he says the kingdom of heaven is likened unto It's powerful. Unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. This is a a bridal party, ten virgins, meaning the the, the, the image is you, okay? People that are serving the king. People that are serving and they're waiting. They're waiting for the bridegroom. This is a marriage ceremony in the Jewish tradition, okay? So they're waiting and they're virgins, meaning they're set aside just for him. Now he's not marrying all ten of them. That's not the point. But it says... They're waiting for them to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. In the Bible, the oil represents, I know some of you have heard this before and some of you are going to say, not, not this one again. Take a hold of this. Take a hold of it so you can teach it. You're not a learner. If you've heard this before and this is, you've heard this again and again and again, you're not a teacher. You're not a learner anymore. You're a teacher. Okay, God is giving this to some people in our congregation to turn around and share with others. Your loved ones, your children that are not saved are serving God right now. Your mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers that are not serving God need to hear this word. They need to hear this voice. They took no oil with them. Oil represents the Holy Ghost. Folks, if you believe that the first time you received the Holy Ghost was the only time you ever need to receive the Holy Ghost, you need to hear this parable because the Holy Ghost is a thing that's in flux. It's God working in your life. You know that you can quench it, you can shut it out, you can turn it off. 
You have to understand that the oil needs to be replenished. They took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, off doing what he's doing, they all slumbered and slept. All of them, all 10 fell asleep. You know what that says? All of us, including me, there are times this life makes me exhausted. It makes me so tired. And sometimes I sleep, but it's talking about spiritual sleep. It's talking about those times we just say, I just don't feel like it right now. Can I just be a veg here on my pew and just go home, eat my lunch, right? Come on, is anybody with me on that? Am I the only one confessing? But they all slept, even the foolish, the wise ones slept. So we all sleep. And at midnight, there was a cry made, a voice. Behold, the bridegroom crumeth, go ye out to meet him. In the Jewish tradition, the, the, the bride would, in, in her, her court, would go off somewhere and sequester themselves to keep themselves pure and get them prepared and do all the fancy things they have to do preparing for the bridegroom. And so in order to make sure that the bride, the, the, bride, the future bride, was doing things the way she was supposed to and remaining pure, he said, well, I'm not coming at a time you know. I'm going to come at a different time and you're not going to know. So you have to be prepared. Anybody that believes they're going to know when God's coming back is a fool. We do not know the day or the hour because he's telling us you have to be prepared all the time. All the time. So the bridegroom would wait for a time only he knew. And so they had to keep their oil filled and keep that light. Here's why. Because he would come and get them. He would send an emissary and say, okay, it's time to come. And the emissary would take off and they'd have to gather up all their stuff and they'd have to take the path to wherever the bridegroom is. Well, it's nighttime. And you have to have light in your lamp. What's our light? Thy word is a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my way, to my path. At midnight there was a cry made. The voice came, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those aversions arose and trimmed their lamps. You know what that means? They took the wick and they snipped it, made sure it was all good, relit the lamps. Because if you have a long, yucky wick or it's all you know, burned up and all that stuff, the light isn't as bright and it puts off smoke and crud and all this different stuff. Folks, if you're not trimming your lamps, I'm talking about, hear me now, okay? This is God. If you're not trimming your lamp, if you're not cutting things out of your life that don't belong, that are contrary to the word of God, that are displeasing to God, you're going to have a smoky mess in your life. You're going to be confused. Things are going to be dark. Your light is not going to be bright and nobody's going to come to God through you. That's what that means. You understand you got to trim your lamp. you got to be good. you got to be a faithful reader in a study, right? Perfecting all the time. The foolish said unto the wise, give us of your oil for our lamps are gone out. You cannot ride the coattails of Pastor Kylie or Pastor Cordell or Pastor Steve or Pastor Michael or your mom or your dad. You cannot ride their coattails into heaven. You can't drain off their oil. Hey, quick, God's coming back. Give me a little bit of that. That's not how it works. Young people, you cannot ride your coattails of your parents into heaven. You think everything's okay. Mom and dad go to church. I'm good to go. I'm going to just enjoy life. I'm going to kind of hang out here and do my thing. That's not how it works. Because the foolish versions tried that. They tried to go to the wise ones and say, give me some of your oil. Oil's extremely expensive, by the way. It costs something to have this oil. It costs something to go to the merchant. 
come here. It costs you your time. It costs you your effort and your dedication and sacrifice. Oh man, I got to sacrifice some TV time. I got to sacrifice doing some things that aren't pleasing to God. That's terrible. It's expensive. But I'll tell you what, the benefit and the profit is so much greater than what we can be satisfied with in here. But the wise answered saying, not so, lest there not be enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. God's calling everybody to do that right now. And you're going to have an opportunity here. You can come to the oil merchant. You can come back and be refilled and be refilled and energize yourself and fill those lamps up and then come back on Wednesday. Fill it up a little bit more because between now and Wednesday, life's going to be sucking oil out of your lamp. All these things are going to happen. You're going to have to pay bills, get the call from the doctor, deal with problems at work, and your oil's just going to seep out and seep out. So you can come back here on Wednesday night and get all filled back up again. That's how this process works. That's why you can't forsake yourself assembling in the church. You can have Holy Ghost in your house. I get that. You can, you can fill your oil at home, but how many of us do? To what we really need. Let's be honest with ourselves. Are we in there having revival in our closet? We should be reading and have our devotion time and getting some oil there. But this is where it fills the lamp. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. This is where we get it. This is the oil merchant's house. And while they went to buy... Because, of course, they had no other choice. The bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. See, the bridegroom's going to come back. And just like Noah's Ark, the door slams closed. That's it. If you didn't buy the message before, if you didn't buy the oil before, you're out. Well, God's not like that. God's a God of love. There's a voice that comes from the world. God loves everybody. We're all going to heaven, no matter what happens. That's a lie. That's a lie voice that people are told every day. So the bridegroom takes the bridal party and the bride goes into the house, shuts the door, and they stay sequestered for a period of seven days. Now there's a whole other story about those seven days that gets into Revelation and I don't want to start a new message and we've got to get out of here in five minutes. So with seven days, they're shut away. And so the door was shut and verse 11 says, Afterward came also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Remember Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 and 22? Many people will say unto him in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done all these wonderful things? Haven't we done everything we wanted to do? Lord, haven't we said stuff in your name and called out this in your name and done all these things according to our will? And what does the Bible say? He says, depart from me, ye that iniquity. I knew you not. That word no, remember what I told you? That word no means intimate relationship. I had no intimate relationship with you. How do we have an intimate relationship with God? He's, he's a spirit and we're flesh. I'll tell you how. His spirit indwelling us with us. The lamp filled with oil is that intimate relationship that tells God he knows me and I know him. Take that, devil. Do you understand to know, to have that relationship. In the Bible, Jesus, the Bible says in, Matthew, in the book of Matthew that Joseph knew not Mary. He did not have a physical, intimate relationship with her, yet she was pregnant with the Holy Ghost. Tell that to a Trinitarian one time. That makes the Holy Ghost God, Jesus' Father. But that's a whole other story, too. You, you, understand, you understand what I'm saying? Is that intimate relationship is intimated in this same verse, only in the spiritual format. You have to have God inside you, that intimate Wonderful relationship of the oil filled up in you in order for God to know you. So many people are deceived to believe, well, I went to the altar and I said the sinner's prayer and I felt all warm and fuzzy. That's not an intimate relationship. 
That's just a good feeling. Verse 13 says, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. He's the bridegroom. And he's waiting. And he's calling on us to keep our lamps full of oil. To shut out the voices. Because someday we got to hear that one voice, that still small voice that's saying, I'm coming. Get ready because I'm coming. It's real, folks. It's real. I'm telling you, this is a voice from God. It's real. He's coming back. And one day, the trump of God is going to sound, and those that sat there and said, I'm going to rely on the oil for mom and dad, or rely on the oil of Pastor Kylie to get me there, are going to be sitting here feeling pretty lonely. Do you understand? You can't do this halfway. I'm going to close right now. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You see, some people are going to remain sleeping. And I pray to God it's nobody in this room. But some people are going to remain sleeping. And so when you're sleeping, you can't hear the still small voice. Dave, if you're sitting in your seat there and you're snoring away, and God says, Dave, I've got to work for you. (laughs) Dave. Come on, I love you. But I've got a work for you to do. You're not going to hear that still small voice. And he's not going to shout you awake. It's not the way God works. You know why? Because he wants Dave to be willfully awake on purpose, listening for his still small voice. But there will be a day when he will shout for us, the one time in scripture where Jesus Christ will shout for you, and it's in First Thessalonians. And I'll tell you what, the people that are sleeping, oh yeah, then they'll wake up because they won't be able to help but to wake up for that shout. First Thessalonians, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they, when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. You can stand with me this morning if I can have uh, music. Paul is talking to the Thessalonians in his letter, and he's talking about the Lord coming as a thief in the night, just like the bridegroom parable that Jesus gave. He's going to slip in. That's just the way it is, folks. Why? Because he wants you to be ready. If he pre-announces himself, if all these crazy signs and wonders happen that says, this is the day that I'm coming, well, you could live however you want to from now until about three days before that. Oh, God's coming in 2019 on October the 4th? Well, guess what? From now until October about the 1st, I'm going to party down. And then I'll get Christian real quick. Oh, God, please forgive me. I know I didn't really want to do that. That doesn't, that's not how it works. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night 
nor of darkness. Remember what I talked about the sheep? The sheep belong in the pen when it's nighttime. Not roaming around in the world, roaming around in the pastures unprotected by the, by the shepherd. No good thing happens after midnight, in my opinion, for the most part. But you're not children of the darkness. You're children of the day. And then it says, therefore, let us not sleep as, as do others, but let us watch and be sober because he's coming. We know that Corinthians says that there's going to be a trump. There's going to be a shout, and it's going to wake up some people that are sleeping. But by then, it's too late. It's too late. If you're waiting for the shout to get you woken up, it's just too late. I have loved ones that are lost, that are not serving God, and they're waiting for the shout. They're waiting for something in their life to shake them and wake them up and say, okay, now I'm going to serve the Lord. I don't know what they're waiting for. I really don't. And I can't do much about that but share the word with them and try to, try to plead with them to live for God. There's not much that I can do. I don't have the power to force their will. God will never force their will. But what I can do is what God has asked me to do. And that is to reach to you and to me and say, now is the time. Today is the hour. Listen to the still, small voice that's talking to you right now. If you're not living right, if, you, if you've just put too much emphasis on this world, too much emphasis on the carnal life because it's just fun and you're just having it, you're enjoying and, and, and you're just out there saying YOLO. Anybody know what YOLO means? You only live once. No, that's wrong. You live twice. When I was a junior camper back in Shawano many years ago, I won Camp Camper of the Day or something. They gave me a t-shirt and it said, born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. You don't only live once. And the second time you live a lot longer. Let that sink in. So all the power that I have is my voice. God has anointed me today to share it with you and to use it for you. And I'm asking you today, listen to his voice. Come to this altar this morning. Listen to his voice and fill up that oil. If you need to be prayed through again, I'll pray with you, I promise. But fill those lamps. Fill those lamps up today and keep them full. Keep them full every single day. Because there's a lot of people that are going to be sleeping. And their oil's going to run out. And they don't have a chance. But today you have a chance. Today you have a chance to fill your lamp and begin to keep it full. The altar is open this morning. And I will pray with you if you would like. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262 965 5177 
or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org.